Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hey, welcome back to Dice Don't Die's Deep Dive, and tonight we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite partier, occasionally flirtatious party member, and the most musically inclined, the Bard. I'm Chad, and here with me tonight to discuss this all-around rock star of a class, I have with me Beth. Hello. David. Hey, everyone. And Sarah. Hi. So, before we get started with Bard, though, let's talk about some interesting stuff that's come up recently, which would be the Advanced Player's Guide Playtest. What have Ooh. you guys thought about it so far? It's pretty exciting. Yes, definitely. I mean, right there, four new classes introduced. That's pretty epic. I am excited to play all of these. Unfortunately, that means we have to kill off some characters, so... <laughs> yeah. Bye, Sonny. Oh, it was nice knowing you. It was nice knowing you for one session. <laughs> oh, burned alive or dead, you know. Ooh. Well, that got morbid. <laughs> I was going to say, on a lighter note, uh, I really love the swashbuckler uh, just because... It really reminds me of Seahawk from She-Ra. Just like this over-the-top, super flamboyant, dashing, mischievous, sometimes really bad at stuff, likes to set his own boats on fire. <laughs> Just like the most over-the-top person. Uh, so perfect. what you're telling me is that Seahawk has some serious panache? Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh... Yeah, I, I think the swashbuckler was my least favorite of the three, but it has definitely got me using the word panache a lot more lately. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's true for a lot of people. <laughs> David, yeah. weren't there four? Which one did you consider not a real class? Did I say three? Yeah. No, I'm at four. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess I guess if I was going to pick one that wasn't a real class, it'd be the swashbuckler because. They're just fighter plus rogue, but okay. Wow. Which is a perfectly fine class. Please direct all your hate away from Dice Don't Die and straight on to David. And straight to David. If you didn't like the swashbuckler, what did you like? Well, I liked, I liked all of the others, uh, but I think my favorite <laughs> might have been, yeah, like everything except that one that I hated. Um, uh, my my favorite one is probably the investigator just just this thought of uh you know some odd detective type character i think it'd work real well with like a gnome he just staves off bleaching by solving crimes he has to have a little bowler hat and a corn cob pipe maybe a little sidekick of some sort i don't know really loving it you mm -hmm. you want to make a gnome Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock gnomes. Oh my Ooh. god. 
Now it has to happen. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, yes. What if Sherlock Gnomes lives in a really peaceful society? Well, then he solves very mundane crimes. That is okay. true. Someone has stolen a pie from a window. <laughs> Turns out it was just blown over by the wind. I, I hate it. I hate it so much. It's some strong wind. That's what he's investigating. Why was the wind so strong? Chad, please take us away from this place. <laughs> no, I will definitely not. I, I would like to redirect, but that's okay. You know what? Let's just move on to my favorite of the four, which is probably going to be the witch. I cannot wait for this to happen so I can just be cackling every single round, yeah. annoying everyone around me. <laughs> the fact that cackle is now, if you compare the witch, which I, haha, <laughs> witch, witch, I played uh, something like that. I played a witch for a couple of years in Rise of Rune Lords. Uh, she was a rat folk and she Cute. was awesome. But cackle was an optional thing for the witch. The fact now it's baked right in to be like, hey, we're setting the tone right here is pretty great. And I also love the fact that witches get like a little familiar friend that like they just have to have it or else Mm -hmm. they can't cast their spells. So that means you have to have a tiny cute animal partner with you all the time or else you are screwed. Doesn't have to be cute. Well, true. Not necessarily. But who doesn't want a cute one? Come on. A little cute gecko? Come on. Why not? And they have to serve some other higher power. And I'm not talking gods here, but like demons, other monsters. Yes, a patron. Something that gives them their powers. And it is intentionally mysterious. Ooh, I like it. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm imagining like a Wizard of Oz situation where there's just a guy behind the curtain, like <laughs> giving this witch like mysterious commands. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I am kind of on board with that. <laughs> it was Sherlock Gnomes the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! I'm right back around. <laughs> Nope. I hate all of you. <laughs> so Beth, what was your favorite one? Mine was my favorite was the witch. Like, come on now. But oh, we have on. to talk about the Oracle. <laughs> you don't have to. Let's just skip over that one. No, no, no. Okay. We definitely have to talk about the Oracle because in first edition, I never played an Oracle. Mostly because I didn't get it. I didn't quite like I don't know. The class didn't click with me. Yeah. But I feel like rewriting it and really explaining the curses, the um, Oracle curse and the mystery that you pick from that, it, it just fits better. I think I understand it more. It also is a new iconic. What? So... The former iconic, um, her name was Alaz- Alazria, something like that. 
Uh, and now we have an unnamed Tengu as the new uh, Oracle Iconic. And what's interesting is, of course, the art is just line art right now. It's not colored mm -hmm. or anything. But I'm already intrigued about who this person is. I think I can't wait for the blog post that's going to describe them. And I'm super excited to find out who they are. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, the Oracle looks really good and I think just fits thematically really well with this concept of you are a conduit between the gods. And not just one god, like the gods. Oh man, does that mean you have to talk to all of them? Kind of, yeah. That's <sighs> part of the reason why you're cursed. Well, I think the part of the curse is that like you talk to one but the other one gets a little jealous. That's why you're cursed. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I just thought it was a curse that you had to talk to that many people. <laughs> it, it's you, you can't please everyone. And then the people you can't please curse you. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. kinda. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. I'm kind of excited to see how all four of these classes will eventually land at the end of the playtest. Hopefully on their feet. Sorry, bad joke. Alright. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on that punning note. <laughs> why don't we talk about the bard? Uh, okay, so I guess we can get into this. Um, so it, it's appropriate that this is our uh, deep dive number two. Uh, because I think bars are just shitty. Hey now, oh, come, come on. on. <sighs> they are not. But good joke, actually. That was really solid. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, just no. because you hate music and also fun. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Maybe that's why. I, in particular, really like the fantasy of a bard. Like the idea of being a magic music boy is fantastic to me. I just have I have trouble wrapping my head around how playing a flute translates into a fireball. I don't get but it. But you I mean you have no problem with like chanting or like waving your hands around in the air and then there's a fireball? No. It's just the verbal component of the spell. Cool. You just like drawing runes and stuff. We're good, we're good with that. Uh -huh. But it's just well, like somebody picks up a flute and plays it well enough. Electric arc. Uh, okay. Have you ever been moved so much by a song that you cried? Oh, so I... Okay, so I, I get I get where you're going and I totally understand how bards can have like buffing and or debuffing it, it's, you... it's the rest of it I can't quite draw the we're in a land of magic I know 
follow up question. Like the pyrotechnics, you know, behind stage. <laughs> boom, fireball. Boom. Like the, the, the eighties hair band changing things with the power of rock. Yes, actually. The uh bard that I played, that is exactly how I envisioned her. Is like this rock musician who's like I'm going to cure all your wounds and be super emotional about it. Dun, that seems dun, right. Dun. <laughs> I mean, David, if it makes you feel any better, uh, the historical context of bards doesn't have any magic in it. Uh, so they were just like professional storytellers slash performers slash musicians slash historians slash genealogists. So really How many they... slashes did we get in there? <laughs> so many. They used to do so many things. Um and that comes from like British, Irish, Scottish, and Gaelic cultures. Um but more in line with how David feels about them, um, actually in 16th century Scotland, it was like kind of derogatory. It was like not great. But So uh, if I remember correctly, it was like traveling musicians at the yeah. time. Like, how dare you not have a real job? <laughs> you dang hippies. <laughs> yeah. But you know, in like the 16th century. <laughs> So, I'm not enough of a historian to say that the Roma and the Bard have some sort of connection. I don't think so, because I think they're uh, more closely related to the Druids at the time. Mm. But I'm I'm sure that if any of our audience is a historian in any way, please let us know if we're wrong that about the Roma. Yeah. I personally think that the closest thing we have to a modern, like, bard was Freddie Mer Mercury. Freddie Mercury, to me, is a modern-day bard because of how, like, one, he was so talented in terms of his music. But to me, like, his music was almost really magical in how he performed. And just a magical person. That's that's just how I feel. Okay. Yeah, that's I can agree with that. I love Freddie Mercury though. Any rebuttals, okay. David? Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. How <laughs> how do you give any rebuttals to Queen? Yeah, like, I don't. You can't. I don't think you can. No. If you do, don't let us know. We don't want to know. Oh. <laughs> if you do, you're wrong. Oh, geez. <laughs> We're going to get phone calls. Huh. Joke's no. on them. We never give out our phone numbers. There nice. we go. So let's talk about actual magic bards. Uh, so as always, I want to go over the differences between Pathfinder 1st Edition and Pathfinder 2nd Edition. The... <sighs> The big thing is going to be bardic knowledge, although later we're going to talk about something that's very similar. I honestly think that the second edition bard feels more bard-like. 
if that makes sense. So in first edition, you were what was called a half caster or three fourths caster, some something like that. You didn't ever get access to anything past six level spells. Yeah, so you weren't a full caster uh, unless you took like an archetype or something. You were also an arcane spellcaster, which they're not anymore. They're a cult, which is a whole new spell list. That seems fitting. I think so. I think that the bard being arcane is okay, but a cult seems more mysterious and perfect for the bard. And then... For your performances, you had uh, Inspire Courage, Inspire Competence. You had these inspirational music pieces that you can do. But in Pathfinder 2, because you're choosing your muse and you get your focus spells based off of what muse you pick, to me, it feels more bard-like, right? Like, it feels more music-oriented. So, I'm really, really excited about the changes that they made to the Bard. Actually, I think that the Bard was one of the classes I feel like they nailed the most. Is the feel of what it's like to play a Bard. And the roles that they can have in a party. So, I'm pretty excited about that. I also really appreciate that a goblin is perfectly suited to be a bard. (laughs) They seem to be perfectly suited for just about every class so far. In my opinion, yes. Reality, probably not. Goblins make good everything. That's how I feel. Goblins are the superior race. Oh, jeez. (laughs) Do goblins make better everything than humans? See, realistically, like if I was being truly honest with myself, no. But I'm not being honest with myself, and therefore, (laughs) yes. yes. I just, look, okay, the addition of goblins into the core rulebook, this is a bit of a tangent, I apologize. The addition of goblins to the core rulebook was the best decision to me. Like, there's only good that comes from it. <laughs> I, I love it so much. And for a entire ancestry that is based off of singing, bard, hello. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, their entire culture revolves around storytelling and passing things along in a verbal tradition. This is literally a bard, guys. It's perfect. They would, yeah, I feel like Goblin Society would have so many bards. Just in general. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. 
and they could just fit in with so many groups because the bard is just trying to create more songs. I think that if anyone is hesitant to play with a goblin in their party, they should try it with a goblin bard first because yes. it lends itself so well to fit in with your group. So if you're hesitant, do that. How but you be hesitant with a goblin in your party. Well, I mean, during the playtest, there was a lot of feedback that that people were worried about what it would be like to have a goblin in the party because of how they traditionally have been enemies. Well, right, how they've been portrayed. I mean, mm. just earlier I mentioned um, Rise of the Rune Lords. The very first spoiler alert <laughs> for a AP that is over 10 years old. <laughs> uh, anyway. The very first major fight you have is with an entire clan of goblins ruining a festival and just trashing the place. And so that kind of set the tone for what goblins were. Enemies and things to be slaughtered. And so this idea of changing them over to be the bard of your party and the transition that that makes is in my opinion really great but if you're looking for something else there are other ancestries that fit really well such as uh the gnome i think that's what a lot of people think of even though the iconic is actually a halfling <laughs> yeah I always think of a gnome because they're so flamboyant already. It just leads itself right into, I'm sorry, I was born with purple hair. Why, yes, I will have a cloak as well. Thank you. Well, they're trying to keep their lives as interesting as possible. Exactly. Right. Oh, yeah, of course. Be as musical. What better way than collecting stories to do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, then one of the um, heritages for a gnome, can't they like change their like hair color or stuff like that? Why wasn't or I am that? I making that up? <laughs> um, I think it was uh, there was a, a, a heritage that allowed it to uh, blend in with the background. So you're talking about the chameleon gnome. Right. Yeah. You can change the vibrancy and ex color. Uh, and it's not just your hair, it's across your whole body. It's yeah. usually used um, at, to give you a circumstance bonus on stealth checks for you to you know, blend in. But I don't see any other reason why you couldn't make it even more flashy. Like, it just depends on the type of situation that you're in. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I feel like especially for a bard, you would want to be as flashy as possible. Oh, heck yeah. Especially if you're like trying to do something that's like influencing an entire crowd you're performing in front of, like talk to your GM about circumstance bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> I like that phrasing. That's perfect. Yeah. So those were the two ancestries that I thought would be a good fit. What about you guys? So 
I offered up the possibility of the lizard folk and quite possibly the uh, frilled lizard uh, feet for it, which mm-hmm. allows it to uh, allows this lizard folk to then extend this colorful fan of skin around its neck, which uh, if you've seen the frilled lizard in nature, that's what they do. They kind of just flap it open, start shaking it around, and it can either intimidate or attract. So I was thinking this would make a great way to introduce dancing or for, for performances. Other than that, I'm not really sure if it fits in well for a bard, but I thought that was a neat addition to it. So I think that if it could fit thematically. Mm-hmm. You the ability boosts that you get are strength and wisdom. So not necessarily charisma, but you still get your free bonuses and your ability flaw is intelligence. So not again, not charisma. Mm-hmm. I think you can make it work. It doesn't sound outlandish to me. Okay. Plus you have another culture that is mostly verbal passing down of traditions. So mm-hmm. that in a, in and of itself leads more to bars, I feel. So yeah, I think it's a great fit. Next character. Woo! Okay. So you're going to you're going to kill off Sunny? Uh duh. Next session. Oh jeez. Oh, he's going to be playing a new character every session. Yeah, yes. that's that's kind of what I'm hearing, and I'm a little <laughs> concerned as the GM. I think the rest of the party is going to be concerned, too. <laughs> yeah. How do we keep losing somebody and then finding somebody else the same day, like, three times? This you is guys, so we got to stop talking to strangers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, that ain't, that ain't happening. <laughs> I'm going to go with no on all of that. Oh. <laughs> So let's get back on track and talk about what makes the bard unique and why I think it's a better bard than Pathfinder 1. The main feature to me, besides the occult spellbook, because that right there is cool, right? Like the occult spellbook is such a neat feel and a good addition that I think is really needed for this type of class. I agree. As much as I don't like the bard, I really do like the occult spellist. Yeah. Well, and there we'll be talking about him at a later date, but the sorcerer can also pick the occult spell list. Yeah. And so like that's that's really cool. And it it is called the spell tradition, not spell book. I keep forgetting that uh anyway the thing that i think makes pathfinder 2 bards better than everybody else are the muses when you create your bard you pick a muse this is something that has led you to the type of bard that you are And there are three right now types of muses, but you get to actually pick specifically what it is. 
So if you decide that your muse is actually a physical item, that can be. So the three types are enigma. So that's more of a uh, muse that is mysterious in some way. So an examples of an enigma muse might be the stars themselves. Uh, could be uh, a deity, a specific deity. Um, or it could be one of the uh, outsiders. Something that is a bit mysterious. Then you have polymath. Where your muse is kind of a jack of all trades. You, this is pretty much where you can pick anything. You are interested in everything. So when we're talking about the gnome. Sort of being. Trying to be interested in everything. The polymath might lend itself towards that. Well, the, the polymath is kind of like universal for the wizard. Kind of, yeah. I mean, if if you tried to draw a parallel, yeah. Yeah. And then you have the maestro. So that's where you are... I don't... This one is harder. You're focused on that music. Like, you want to be the best around. No one is ever going to let you down. God. I heard it. I heard it coming. I apologize. I had to do it. <laughs> if I knew that we were going to do a bunch of music references, I would have researched a little more. This is the it's bar. It's hard. <laughs> Sorry. What else would we be doing? I was just upset that we were doing bars. Okay, so you just didn't think about it enough because no. the bard is all about musical puns, in my opinion. Can I sing a bunch of terrible songs in my terrible voice? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. And the bard that I created was a maestro, by the way, because it's just amazing, in my opinion. Of course, I am very musically inclined. Like, I, I love music listening and singing and all those things are really important to me. Yes, I was a band nerd. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, same, so... Wait, did all three of you do band? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Maybe, that's, maybe that's why I don't like the Bard, because I never did that. It's because you hate music and fun. I already said that. I was going to yeah. say, because it sounds like he hates us. That's I why like he music like well bard. enough. I just I also like fun. I still like Bards. I, I, that doesn't make sense because bards are just the combination of music and fun. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying to convince you that they're great. It's just how it's going to be. Okay. Like the muses are so cool. How do you not see that? Like the fact that you could pick a person, sure, that if you want to be just lame and just pick a person, sure, that can be your muse. Or you could pick an entire philosophy. And your bardic tradition is about a, like, philosophical way of life. Come on. That's great. 
I think he's just upset because Nigel had to work so hard to learn, you know, something like electrical arc. And Bard is just like, nah, cool, I'm just playing my drum over here. And That's, yeah, that's, that's it. Because, you know, it's <laughs> years and years of hard study. And this... Man, you're going to really hate the sorcerer, huh? <laughs> oh, I already hated the sorcerer. Oof. Getting born with all of that stuff? Gosh, that's terrible. Oh, it feels oh great. yeah. Well, I'll I'll be I'll be salty enough on that episode too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't talk about the bar- bard and not talk about their focus spells, which are their songs. S- or in Pathfinder Two, they're called compositions. So you get a focus spell, a composition based on what your muse is, and then you uh, get some more as you level up. I got a lot of use out of triple time when I was playing a bard. Yeah. Triple time is awesome. So you dance at a lively tempo, so it's a somatic component not verbal, speeding your allies' movement so your allies start going crazy everywhere, which means they get a 10-foot bonus. And you can, because I was the maestro as my muse, I can extend that. So I was able to use lingering composition to extend that additional rounds. So now your fighter, who has maybe a speed of 10, because um, they're carrying so much gear, well, now you can boost that up to normal levels. So I really like the focus spells. I mean, of course, if we talk about the spell list itself of the occult spells, that's cool too. They have uh, their version of healing spells is pretty cool. So they have soothe, which is I get to sing and heal you. It makes you feel better. It's perfect. Will that also work for taming horses? I have lots of questions. Mostly that you're right. <laughs> okay. Because, I mean, it does target one living, willing living creature. But it doesn't calm the horse. It just heals them. So you could heal a broken oh, leg okay. on a horse. Well, wouldn't healing them automatically help calm them? Maybe. I'm not seeing anything in their spell list. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That is like calm horses. this is a weird tangent there's remove fear it's a second level spell I mean you do have charm I mean they could probably just sing to the horse and that would probably calm them down or I'd kick you in the face I don't know horses are mean why would you be standing behind the horse and singing to it you would sing to its face not to its butt (laughs) it might rear up and hit you in the face Oh. I guess. <laughs> First, I think that you would 
detect alignment on the horse and realize it's evil and just back away. What? Horses are evil <laughs> is what I'm saying here. Horses are not evil. They know what? what they did. So I'm not going to get into this debate with you guys. <laughs> the, the spell that might work is calm emotions. Okay. So it is a 10-foot burst, a two-action spell, and it suppresses hostile actions and emotions. So yeah, that that would be not soothe, calm emotions. Okay. Horses are evil. Horses are not evil. I'll die on that hill. Is All right. Anyway, between horses and ponies, though. Oh, ponies! Why would you even ask that? Condensed evil. <laughs> like ponies have all the evil of a regular horse, just shoved into a smaller body, so they have more hate. And the answer to your question, Sarah, is because I had to get this kind of answer out of that. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, right, guys. Let's move on. <laughs> Well, so I'm going to actually use this to talk about one of my favorite feats. So one of my favorite feats, if you're an Enigma muse, is Bardic Lore. So earlier when I was talking about Pathfinder 1 having Bardic Knowledge, this is kind of the same feel to it, right? So if you wanted to know everything about evil horses, this would allow you to do that. It is a special skill that lets you recall knowledge on any topic. So I personally love this for, you know, the meme of the guy saying, um, actually, this is bardic lore. <laughs> you can, um, actually, anybody. And here's the thing, even if you roll really poorly, you're still going to make something up and they might believe you. It's my favorite feat. You almost need to make a character around that where it's just the um actually and the person contributes very little no. to the party except correcting people. No, no, thank you. Please don't play that character <laughs> at my table. I will kick you out. <laughs> if I am at a convention and somebody tried to do that, like, they would have to be a genuinely nice person in real life that everyone loved and adored and was, like, a hero of mankind. That would be the only way I would allow it. Because otherwise, <laughs> it's going to be annoying and the worst. I can do it. Yay. You know what, Chad? You could do it. Oh. I wouldn't kick you wouldn't. from my gaming table. No, you wouldn't. But yes, like that that idea of a char- character concept of a bard who just knows everything, oof. Well, it just thinks they know everything. Right, yeah, you're not wrong. Oof. Uh, well, I, I saw a feat that I liked. It, it's just called Dirge of Doom. <laughs> I, I really like the word dirge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's like a focus spell that makes everyone in the area frightened. But yeah, you just kind of play some ominous music and it's all crap down. 
Now, what level is that? Uh, third level. Well, yeah, third level cantrip. So, sixth level. Oh, that's not too bad. I was thinking it was a much higher level than that. I mean, well, spell level three, so you have to be sixth level. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still not too bad. A lot of times when you have a spell or something that's, you know, something of doom, it's a much higher level spell, and so you don't even get access to it until late game. Yeah, the the name uh, implies more doom than you <laughs> actually uh, see. Yeah. Uh, question, how many O's is in the doom? Just two. Not Failed enough. Failed opportunity. Normal amount. <sighs> Paizo, it step it up. It doesn't <laughs> even heighten, so. Wow. Every adds an extra O. I mean, if we want to talk about... <laughs> I'm sorry, I lost it on that one. I'm shaking my head over here. Oh my gosh, that's really good. <sighs> oh, I was going to go find this page again. Uh, if we want to talk about, like, spells that do massive amounts of damage... We can just talk about Fatal Aria. Ooh. Which, uh, you do get at 20th level, so, you know. Should be pretty Um, good. Yeah, better be. (laughs) But basically, you sing so well that they're overcome with some sort of emotion. And you can actually, like, pick which emotion it is. So it can be, like, terror or joy or sadness or, you know, euphoria or whatever. Um, And people just die. Oof. (laughs) And I looked at it a little bit closer, and it's not even a saving throw. It's based off of level and hit points. Okay. Alrighty, then. Dang. Yeah, I I just wouldn't want to be on the other side of that. No. No. Because that's not even a save or die spell. That's just a you die. Yeah. Oof. Okay, then. So the last thing I have to talk about the bard is what if you don't want to go full bard? What if you just want to take a bard dedication? Sort of, what do you get when you multi-class into Bard? So, you are going to get some cantrips. You get the ability to cast spells. You get... In in my opinion, this is way better than the champion that we talked about last week. You're going to get both occultism and performance. And you get the muse and the benefits that come with it. And then, of course, you can get the feats uh, after that. So that's just the, okay, I have taken a bard dedication. This is what I get. Two spells, casting ability, and a muse. Wow. That's pretty great. 
So, Nigel. What, do you, what, exactly is, yeah, what are you missing as a bard dedication? I mean, you're not going to get their full class. Like, the full class. Um, There's certain bonuses abilities. to spells and yeah. uh, songs and stuff that you're not going to get. Right. You're also not going to get the... Trained in fortitude, trained in reflex, expert in will. Like you'll you'll still get those from your base class. You're also not going to get uh bard feats unless you take um the dedication feats. So you do have basic muse whispers, which is a dedication feat you can take, and that will give you access to a first or second level bard feat. So like a bard is always going to be better than a half bard, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, that's it how just, math works. Again, it it, it just sounded uh, much better than champion dedication. See, I I definitely get what you're saying there. For sure, I feel like you get more and you don't have the negatives. So mm-hmm. to me, if you're looking for a dedication, Maybe as a rogue, uh, that might fit really well with a bard dedication. So now you're a rogue with a little bit of spell casting um ability. You know, I think it can work with just a lot of different classes. Bard is very flexible, and so I think it fits in to make any class customizable to what you want it to be for the fantasy that you're trying to portray. I personally think Bards are one of the best classes in 2nd Edition. They have a very strong identity. They have a ton of flexibility with the occult spell tradition. They now can be your primary caster, where before they could never fill that role. And life is just always more fun when you have a bard around. It's music on demand. Yeah. You never have to pay for Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you don't actually want to sing, and then you probably do need to pay for Spotify. Yeah, that's Like, play during any of your spells. (laughs) So, David, did I convince you that bards aren't as lame as you think? Sure. <laughs> wow. That was so convincing. Right. Uh, I, I mean, bard, bards are fine. I just... They're not my favorite. Fine. Well, you it's a good thing us. you don't have to play one. Correct. That is true. <laughs> so, before we end this evening, I do want to talk about the other PDF that was released. Besides the playtest, which is the errata, it actually released first. I think it's kind of ironic we talked about the playtest first when the errata actually came out before that. But there's a couple of things that I wanted to point out. Uh, Paizo did state they are not updating the PDF 
until they reprint the player's handbook. So if you want to have the errata with your your PDF, you're going to have to go in and sort of make those edits yourself. Otherwise, just like keep the errata around. For sort of highlights, I think that, and again, this is just my personal opinion, the alchemist still needs some work. Yeah. (laughs) Now, we may have touched on this during our first episode of Age of Ashes, but there was a change to the lesser elixir of life versus the minor elixir of life. Was that something that you needed to do for Ashka? Uh, no, that was, I think, a starting elixir for someone for a different class, and they had misprinted it as uh, you start off with the level three uh, oh. instead of the level one. So that was a correction. I was just confused because on all of the other elixirs and then like all of the alchemist bombs, the lowest level you have is lesser, except for the elixirs of life, where lesser is the level three and minor is the level one. Oh, okay. So it was like an inconsistency in the way that all of them were labeled. Yeah, that's fair. Now, for Nigel, the wizard change, I think you already knew about it, but yeah. you do not get a first level feat. Yeah, I, 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 that seemed... Um, that, that was recognized pretty early in you know forum posts or little bits that any of the developers would talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Stole a feat, nerfed a wizard. <laughs> I'm. You'll be fine. I know. Uh, was there anything else that you guys uh, that sort of stood out from the errata document? Uh, well, for me, from the champion, uh, for the spirit ally. No, sorry, divine ally. Uh, you, for the blade section of that, you it actually now includes hand wraps, uh, which I find especially right. interesting because if a champion were to take a monk dedication and get hand wraps, you could role play some kind of fancy challenging guy who just like puts returning on the hand wraps, and whenever someone insults you, just I challenge you to a duel. Throw your hand wraps across the room into their face, and then it returns back to your hands. That is not <laughs> where I thought you were going with that, and I'm so much happier. <laughs> no, I love that. <laughs> I absolutely want that to be a thing. Yeah, now I do too. <laughs> oh, where did you think I was going <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. I was very confused at first. And then you finished it and I was like, oh yes, I definitely want this. 
But yeah, if you haven't checked out the errata yet, I highly recommend it. They didn't add any like spelling errors or anything. That would just take up way too much room. Uh, but they did change a couple of things. So go ahead and check it out. I love how somebody accidentally uh, copy-pasted you disperse positive energy to the harm spell instead yeah. of negative energy. <laughs> yeah. I I definitely saw a couple of uh, copy-paste errors. Yeah. For I, me, uh, there were some copy-paste errors in the bestiary that I first noticed under the dragons. Uh, but I think the harm spell is the funnier one. Yeah, I think I saw that the 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 first day I had bought the thing. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> somebody needed proof. <laughs> well, here's the thing: like they can't proof ev. Like, do you know how many times they've probably read that book? Poor Liz Liddell, uh, one of the developers. She's probably read that book like a hundred times. I just feel bad for her. <laughs> And how many times they've changed that book already. I know. Like, before like, it released, and then now again. <laughs> a rat is gonna happen. Like, that's just a mm -hmm. part of it. But for us on the outside, I'm glad that we can take a little bit of humor in it. As Absolutely. long as we're aware that, like, they doing their best. And on that note, I think we're done, guys. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I want to say thanks to everyone listening. And bye from all of us here at Dice Don't Die. And definitely remember to go out and make your very own Sherlock Gnomes. And remember, Dice Don't Die. But player characters do. Especially when they make puns. <laughs> especially when they make Sherlock Gnomes. <laughs> oh, that's such a good name. It's such a terrible <laughs> name and it's not okay. Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at DiceDon'tDiePod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.